0: Well, welcome. I'm Ryan Chandler. I'm the minister to young adults and young families here at First Baptist Church of Arlington. It is my honor to get to preach for you today. I'm honored that Dr. Wiles has asked me to be here and do this, and it's over one of my favorite topics the church. But let me ask you a question first Do your kids or do your grandkids love sharing with one another? No, that's surprising to me. My kids love to share with one another. It's their favorite thing in the world. I'm surprised to, I'm joking, of course. My kids aren't any different from any of your kids. They don't like to share with one another. This is something that Dr. Wilds even mentioned last week. Sharing is something that we learn over time. It just doesn't come natural to our sinful DNA. And so that's why I've discovered a really helpful little ditty written by children's singer and songwriter Rafi called The Sharing Song that is really helpful for teaching my kids the importance of sharing. I thought that maybe we could sing a little bit of it together today. The chorus goes something like this. I'll sing it for you. Ready? Ready? It's mine, but you can have some. With you, I'd like to share it. Because if I share it with you, you'll have some too. So you got it? Okay, we're going to do something a little special with it too. Just to help you get in the mood, I brought with me today my son's ukulele. We're going to try singing the sharing song with one another, okay? You ready? Here's the key it's in. You need to hear this so you know where everybody, ah, ah, somewhere right in there, right? Okay, here you go. We're going to sing it together. It's mine, but you can have some with you. I'd like to share it, because if I share it with you. You'll have some too. Really good. Now, if I have a cake to eat, and if I have a tasty treat, and if you come to me and ask, I'll share some with you. Wow, y'all know that. That's impressive. It's mine, but you can have some with you. I'd like to share it, because if I share it with you. You'll have some too. Wow, give yourselves a round of applause. Amazing. Although unnatural, I'll admit it. All the parents up in the balcony, I know y'all will admit it. Although sharing is unnatural, sharing is one of the core characteristics of the church. And Luke spends a great deal of time trying to emphasize this in the book of Acts. He's already used a similar description in Acts chapter two. Now he reiterates it in Acts chapter four, verses 32 through 35. If you have your copy of God's word, would you open it up? Our scripture reading today, Acts chapter four, verses 32 through 35. hear the word of the Lord. Luke and Acts reports. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had Would you pray with me? Lord, may our meditations and our thoughts glorify you this morning. May this word become the word in our life as we go forth from this place. In your name that we pray, amen. So, as I was preparing this week and I was reading this scripture over and over again, and I was even thinking about everything that Dr. Wiles has been teaching us about the church, something stood out in this text that just might not have stood out to me before. I think the NASB translation helps us capture what's really happening here. In the NASB, it says, and the congregation, or rather you could even translate that word congregation, the community, and the community of those who believed, stop right there, the community of those who believed, and then it goes on to describe what that community was really like. But I want us to pause for a moment and just meditate on that. Luke says that the early church was a community of believers. Their common belief in Jesus as Lord is what made them the church. It's that common belief in Jesus that unites us as the community of Christ. Their belief in Jesus was simultaneously the centripetal, which means it's drawing in, and the centrifugal pushing out force in the church. This belief in Jesus is what makes communion and real relationship with one another possible. And at the same time, this belief in Jesus is what pushed that church back out into the world to evangelize and tell others about the gospel. That's what sets us apart. That's what sets this gathering apart from all other groups or organizations or institutions, a common belief in Christ that simultaneously draws us together as one body and pushes us back out again, and I think this is really important to remember for the church today, because in our world, filled with division and strife, we have to fight the temptation to gather as the community of something else. Oh, and you know that Satan wants all the churches to do that. He doesn't want us to gather as the church of Jesus Christ. He knows that's too powerful, and so he wants to deceive us into gathering as the community of something else. The Christ community does not gather as the community, for example, of one particular political party. We don't gather together as Republicans or we don't gather together as Democrats. We certainly don't leave this property and leave this church to go spread the message of one of those political parties. Why? Because those ideologies are gonna fade away someday, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And that's what we share when we leave. The Christ community does not also come together based on social or economic status. Neither do we gather here today based on race, ethnicity, or nationality. We do not gather because we are similar. Not everybody in here makes a similar income. We don't live in similar neighborhoods and similar houses. Similarity is not the thing that makes us the community today. And neither are we a community because we like each other a whole lot. You're not here today because you like me. In fact, some of you may find me downright irritating. That's not why you're here today. So it can't be any of those things, political ideology, similarity, likability. Those things, they're not the glue that bonds the church and makes us the body of Christ. It is, Luke says, our core belief in Jesus that makes this community The Christ community. I don't know about other communities and I can't speak for other communities, but this community is the church because we believe in Christ and Christ alone. We are a community of believers. And a community of believers, Luke says, is a sharing community. They didn't need Rafi to come in and teach them kids songs. This is something that was just part of their DNA. It was a fundamental characteristic, a community of believers, Luke says, seeks to share itself with others. That's just who we are. That's just who you are. We intentionally share ourselves. It's an act of sharing. It's not a passive sharing. You know, if you've been wondering why Dr. Wiles has been defining the church as a purposeful community, has that little little phrase stuck in anybody else's head? Every time he says it, it just hits me and it sticks in my head. We're, We're a purposeful community. If you've been wondering why he keeps saying that, this is why the community of believers bursts out of these doors, or we should. We should burst out of these doors every Sunday morning like a heat-seeking missile, just searching for someone to share ourselves with, searching for someone who has never witnessed Jesus before, who doesn't know about Jesus, certainly has never had that chance or that opportunity to experience the joy of community with him and with others, a community of believers, seeks to share itself. And here's why that's really good news for all of us in here today. Here's why this is good news for you. You have something to share. Every single one of you. You have something to share. If you're in the community of believers, you have it. You may not be able to share a powerful sermon You may not be able to sing or play an instrument. You may not be able to do lots of the things that you see take place on this platform. But if you're in the community of believers, and you all are, Luke says you have something to share. And so that's what I wanna talk about today. What is it that you have already? Because you're part of the community of believers. What do you have already that you can share in order to help somebody else come to know Jesus. Well first Luke says, first you can share your resources. You can share your resources. Luke reports that the wealthier members of the early church community from time to time would sell land or homes that they owned so that somebody else in the community that was in need could have some kind of help. And then here's what they would do with all the earnings they got from selling that, they would come and they would lay it at the apostles' feet and they would allow them to distribute it rather than give it to that needy person instead. Now, why would they do that? Well, it was a way of demonstrating that this gift was first and foremost, first and foremost, a gift to the Lord. You see, in a world, and this was the world that the New Testament was written and swam in. In a world of benefactors and patrons and clients, this act of laying that gift at the apostles' feet was their way of acknowledging that all things belong to God way before they belong to me. Do you recognize that in your life? Everything you have, any good thing you have, anything that you can call a gift or a blessing, it belonged to God way before it belonged to you. And so that was their way of recognizing that and acknowledging in the community, God is our benefactor. You see, in the Greco-Roman world, here's how it would work. If I gave a gift of some kind to you, if I gave a gift to you, you would be socially obligated to repay me for that gift. So let me give you an example. Let's, um, Brad Eccles is sitting over there and, and, and Brad is my boss. Hello, Brad. Everybody say, hello, Brad. Brad's a perfect example for this because he's my boss. So let's imagine, let's imagine that I am a very humble businessman. Very humble. And I need something. I need a cow. That's all I need, one cow. One cow is all I need, and I know my business will take off if I can just get that one cow. But I'm a humble businessman. I can't afford even one cow. But I know Brad. And Brad is a very wealthy man. Aren't you, Brad? Brad's very wealthy, And Brad knows me, and Brad believes in me. Brad says, hey, that Ryan guy, he's not so bad. I know he's from Poteet, Texas and all, but he's not so bad. I believe in Ryan. I think Ryan's a good investment. So Brad comes to me, and he gifts me, not one cow, he gifts me 10 cows. And he says, here you go, here's your 10 cows. In the ancient Mediterranean world, I would now be obligated to repay Brad for this gift, this favor, this act of grace that he bestowed upon me. But I couldn't even afford one cow. How in the world am I gonna pay Brad back for the 10 cows he gave me? Well, here's something else that you could do in that culture for your patron, for your benefactor. Let's say the next time we were in a public place, in a public market, and Brad comes in with his entourage, and they're all walking in, because Brad gave me these 10 cows, and he's my great patron, in public, I would be obligated to do something like this right here. Everybody stop and look. Here comes Brad, our benefactor of benefactors, the great giver of cows. Praised are you, Brad, among mortal men. Everybody hail Brad. And I'd make everybody stop, and we'd all give Brad praise as he came in. So yeah, yeah. thank you. Woo-hoo, yay for Brad. So what would I be doing if that happened though? What's that called when I start doing something like that? Like if Brad came in and I said, here's Brad, I love Brad. I believe in Brad, in Brad I trust. What am I doing? I'm worshiping, aren't I? Yeah, I'm worshiping Brad. And so if that kind of thing happened in the community of believers, if that sort of thing happened in the church, What kind of message would it send? It would send the message that we're no longer the community of Jesus, right? We'd be the community of Brad, or whoever our great patron was. So laying the gifts at the apostles' feet and allowing them to distribute it to those in need prevented any kind of misplaced praise. (laughs) Prevented misplaced praise, and instead it redirects praise to the one who is ultimately praise worthy. So when you share your resources with the church, and yes, I'm talking about tithing, but I'm talking about so much more than that. When you share with the church, when you share from the abundance that the Lord has given you, what you are acknowledging is that there is only one king around here. There's only one giver of all good things, and it's not you, and it's not me, and it's certainly not Brad. It's God, and let me tell you, that's a powerful message for the world today. It was powerful then in the early church, and it's certainly powerful now. And so you may be thinking to yourself, well, Ryan, that's all great and all, but I don't have any resources. I ain't got no money. I'm broke. As a joke, my bank account is empty. It's as empty as a buffet line in 2020. I've got nothing. It's not there. What do I have to share? Ryan, I can't share anything. I don't have any resources. Let me just tell you this today. You have more than you think. You have more than you think. The Lord called you to be part of this church. The Lord has called you into the community of believers. You have more than you think. You are more than you think. You have a lot to give. Here are just a few other things that you have right now. Everybody has these things that you could share with others to help them know Jesus. Thing number one, you could share your time. You could share your time. Where we give our money says something about what we believe in. It says something about our priorities in life, but the way you spend your time also says something about your priorities and what's important in your life. When you give your time to the church or to the Lord or to some mission activity, what you're saying to the world around you is this is a priority in my life. And it's a witness to other people. Boss, I can't make that work thing on that weekend. I can't make it our church is doing an outreach event on December 9th during the holiday lights parade in downtown Arlington. I've already volunteered to paint kids' faces out there. I'm sorry, that's, it's more important than that. Or, hey, coach, coach, I can't make practice that week. I'm sorry. I'm going on a mission trip with my church. I'm going to go tell people about Jesus in some other part of the world, and that's That's way more important than baseball. I can't make it. The way you spend your time is a witness to other people about what you believe is important, or I mean truly important in life. You could share your time. You know what else you could share? You could share your talents and your abilities with the church. Now, I love our midweek program. Our midweek program for children and preschoolers, it's pretty awesome right now. David and Casey have been recruiting people who have a unique skill or ability to lead a craft or an activity. And we've had people who can woodwork, we've had people who can bake, people who can play an instrument, people who can design buildings, and they're finding all sorts of people all over our church that have a unique skill or ability and they're helping them use that skill or ability to teach kids about Jesus. How awesome is that? This week it's farming and pumpkin painting. Erin, who you just saw up here on stage, she's an architect. She came in and did some architect stuff. I bet, I bet you anything. Erin probably never thought once in her life that she'd come in and talk about architecture in the church to help kids get to know Jesus. So I don't care what you think about yourself. I don't care, you do. You're part of the community of believers and God has called you to this place. You have something unique about you that your church needs. And everyone, if you're saying, well, I don't have any of that, no abilities, no talents. I don't think that's true about you, but you may. And if you do, everyone can share prayer. Everybody can share a prayer with someone else. I'm not sure that we realize just how meaningful it really is to tell somebody, how can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? I wanna, I wanna pray for you about whatever's happening in your life. If you're nervous about doing that, if you're the type of person who's like, oh, I don't like praying out loud, that's kind of weird, I have a helpful tool for you. I learned this, I picked this up from a, a pastor in New York City. In New York City, they don't have beautiful campuses like we have. They don't have beautiful facilities to share with their community. You know, and Amy and I were coming here in view of a call And and our kids were with us the very first, you know, the very first building they brought our family into? They brought us into that kids' building down there. And we were just like, wow, look at this place. It's amazing. We have an awesome campus, don't we? What a blessing this campus is to minister to our community. We shouldn't take that for granted, because folks up in New York, they don't have. They don't have campuses like this. A lot of them are sharing campuses And a lot of them have to get outside the doors of their campus in order to reach anybody at all. So this pastor, one pastor in his church, they go into public parks and they'll go into these public parks and they'll find somebody there to share the gospel with. And they'll ask them out there, what can I pray for you about? And people in New York City really don't want to start sharing with them about that. Why? Because they think it's going to be weird. They think, no, you're gonna do this whole weird thing and I don't, and so the pastor has taught his people to do it a little differently. They'll simply ask something like, how can I pray for you? And the person will say it and they'll say, I'm gonna do that this week. this week, I'm gonna pray for you. I'm going to pray that. And then they just voice the prayer right there. Hey, what's going on in your life this week? Oh, your mom's sick, she's in the hospital? I'm gonna pray for you that she'll get all the healing and the care that she needs, that the doctors will be on their A game when they walk in that room and that she'll recover quickly and be able to get out of that hospital quick. That's gonna be my prayer for you. So what are you doing in that moment? You're praying, right? How can I pray for you this week? Oh, you got a big exam coming up, a big test? Some of the college kids are like, yes. College kids, I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna pray that the Lord helps you remember everything you studied And that when you go into that exam, you have a calmness and a peace about you that the Lord would give you wisdom in that moment. That's my prayer for you this week. So you see how that works without having to say, all right, let's hold hands. Everybody close your eyes and bow your head and going, oh God, our God, and making people feel weird. You don't have to do that. You can just say, I'm gonna pray for you and here's my prayer for you and you pray for them right then and there. That's for anybody in the room who feels nervous about sharing Prayer with someone. You can also share, here's another thing, encouragement. You can share a word of encouragement with someone else. You know, in the very next paragraph of Acts chapter four, Luke is going to introduce us to a person nicknamed Barnabas. And the nickname Barnabas means son of encouragement. Just think about that for a little bit. This guy was so encouraging, how encouraging? No, I'm kidding. This guy was so encouraging, so supportive of the church and the movement of Christ across the world that they nicknamed him encouragement. So think of somebody who has been a Barnabas in your life. Think of somebody who's been your biggest fan, your biggest cheerleader, your biggest encourager, someone who was there for you in all of life's big moments. You can be that for somebody else too. You can be a Barnabas for somebody else. You can be a Barnabas for your church. You can be a Barnabas for the church staff. You can be a Barnabas for our senior pastor. You can be a Barnabas to our Bible study leaders your table group hosts, your worship team, the other people in your small group, your coworkers, your neighbors, your family, your friends, that odd third cousin twice removed, whoever. You can share encouragement. And what if that was the message that the world heard from the church right now? I've been doing a lot of research on young adults today and how they perceive the church and what they think about the church so that I can try to help our church reach out to them. I can tell you, I'll ask you, do you think most young people today have a high view or a low view of the church? Low view. Doesn't take a lot of statistics and reading to figure that one out. The message that they're hearing from the church right now, it's not altogether positive, but what if we change that message? What if the message that the world heard from the church today was, we love you. We care about you. Jesus was for you and so are we. What if that was the message that the world started to hear from a, from a church where the members were determined to be a Barnabas to somebody else? And let me tell you, that's really important these days. It's wildly important. We really need more of that We live in one of the loneliest and most isolated times the world has ever seen. The number of Americans with no close friends has tripled since 1985. Wrap your minds around that for a little bit. The number of Americans with no, zip, zero, nada, close friends tripled since 85. That's an actual true statistic. We have more ways of connecting with one another, more social media platforms. It's like they come out with another one every day. More ways of being social, and yet we're lonelier and more anxious than we've ever been before. And let me tell you this about loneliness, too loneliness is contagious. Loneliness is contagious. Here's what one study discovered about the effects of loneliness on a person and also on a community. In 2009, there was a decades-long study done on one town, Framingham, Massachusetts. And the study found that people are, get this, 52% more likely to feel lonely when they come into long-term contact with another lonely person. People who aren't lonely, who say, I'm not lonely, I don't feel lonely tend to become lonely if they hang around too long with another lonely person. In other words, loneliness spreads. The sociologist behind this study even comments, if you are lonely, you transmit loneliness. And then, here's what happens, you cut a tie with that person. Or that person just gets fed up with you, and so they cut that tie But now that person has been infected with loneliness, and so they proceed to behave the same way. There is a cascade, he says. Now there is a cascade of loneliness that causes a disintegration in the social network. In other words, loneliness doesn't just hurt you. Loneliness can destroy a community. So how do we beat it? (laughs) How do we defeat it? Loneliness and help other people see that we're for them. Well, with everything Luke has been saying is true about the community of believers with friendship and with encouragement and with prayer and with time, with community, with sharing with one another. Yes, our resources, but also our very lives. It's what the New Testament calls koinonia fellowship, all the things Luke has been saying about this early church, that's how. And you can be part of a community like that. You already are part of a community like that. In the community of believers, Luke says it. It's in your DNA, everyone has something to share. But lastly and most importantly, You have one more thing that you can share. And it's the thing that Dr. Wiles really wanted me to address today. You have one more thing to share. Everybody in here can do it. You can share the gospel. You have the good news of Jesus. You were saved by the good news of Jesus Christ. So you know what that good news is. You responded to it at some point, And that good news of Jesus Christ lodged itself in your heart. So you have it. I know you have it. It's already right here within you. You can share that with somebody else. In fact, you were called to share it with somebody else. The church is a purposeful community because we just don't exist for ourselves. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes about this. The church isn't the church, he writes, unless It is there for someone else. We exist for the sake of others. We exist for a reason. God is doing something in this world today. Paul says that what God is doing is he's trying to reconcile the entire world to himself and he has created the church to help. He has asked you for your help in reconciling the world to himself. Now, how amazing is that? It's amazing that God has invited you into purposeful community to help him reconcile the world to himself. It's amazing because, well, I don't know all of you, but I know myself and I know that I'm some dumb farm kid who grew up in Poteet, Texas. Do you know how many people there are in Poteet, Texas? There's not a lot of people there. There's 3,000 people in Poteet. And I grew up on a farm outside of Poteet, Texas. And God called me into the church. And he said, you're gonna proclaim my gospel. You're gonna get to be a part of this. God's called me. He's called you. It's amazing, He is asking you to come partner with him in reconciling the world to himself. You've been invited into the mission of God. It's something that sprang from his heart, not mine, not anybody else's. It belongs to him. He's the first sender. He sent the Spirit. He sent the Son, and now he's sending you. He's graciously invited us into it. And so what do you have? Seriously, what do you have going on in your life? that is more important than the mission of God to reconcile all things to himself. So how can you share the gospel with someone this week? Well, here's my advice, start with prayer. It's gotta begin with prayer. Evangelism mission starts with prayer. Just ask God, Lord, would you help me see somebody this week? Just start by identifying somebody your coworker, your friend, your neighbor, odd third cousin, twice removed, whoever. Who are you burdened for? Who's the Lord placed on your heart? And then pray this. Once you've got that person in your mind, you know exactly who the Lord's calling you to witness to, pray this to the Lord. God, will you help create an opening with this other person so that I can begin a spiritual conversation with them? Will you open a door so that I can begin that conversation? But I'll give you a warning right here and now. If you ask God for an opening to share the gospel, he's gonna give it to you. I pastored in Orange, Texas several years ago. Does anybody know where Orange, Texas is? Last town, there we go. We got some orange folks back there. It's the last town on I-10 before you hit Louisiana. I was pastoring this small church we are trying to grow our church by reaching out to young adults. We created this whole Sunday night program and worship just to tailor to young adults. We made all these flyers. i have been talking about it from the pulpit. Hey, we gotta reach out. We gotta reach young adults. Take these flyers. Invite people to our new Sunday night service for young adults. I was out at the park one day with my son Beckham. Beckham's eight now. He was four at the time. He's on a Friday. We're out there. Beckham's playing. He's having a good time. And these two moms pull up it scheduled a play date. They'd come, they'd brought their kids to play together, and they met at the park and they were out there hanging out, and suddenly I felt a little nudge. I felt obligated to go and talk to these two moms and invite them to our church. I mean, I'd been talking about it for several weeks, preaching on it, telling our people, here's the flyers, take it and do it. Here's my chance, I can go do it. Put up or shut up, is what I thought to myself. But then I started playing a little mind games. Do you do that sometimes? Do you, do you get up all in your head when it comes time to talk to somebody about Jesus or the gospel? I'm naturally an introvert too. So it takes a lot of energy to get over there and do that. So I start playing these mind games with myself on all the reasons why I shouldn't walk over there and talk to any of these, any of these families, these two families there. Top of the list was, what if they think you're weird? What if they think you're hitting on them? That was really the thing that threw me off. What if these two moms out there, they don't want to talk to me. They're out there with their kids and here comes the creepy dude in the park. Why is he coming over? Why why is he even coming over and talking to me? He should be at work. It's Friday at like one o'clock. He's obviously unemployed. (laughs) And now he's coming over here to hit on me? So I got all up in my head about it and I just didn't want to do it and I just flat out, I prayed. And I flat out told God, I'm not going over there. I'm not doing it. I know, I, I know that the Spirit is telling me you gotta go do it. And I told God, I'm just not gonna do it though. Flat out, not gonna listen to what you're telling me to do right now. And so I knew that was sinful. So I, I added to that prayer, if you really want me to do this, you're gonna have to make the opening happen. You're gonna have to do it. Because I'm simply, I don't have it in me. I can't do it right now. But I was a long way away from them And so I knew that if God was gonna provide that opening, I had to get a little closer and at least put myself in a place where that opening could happen. So I'm kind of inch across the playground, slowly getting closer and closer, and every time they look at me, I'm like, oh, yeah, look at these clouds. And uh, just to pretend I'm not trying to get close, I get a little closer. Finally, I'm within at least conversational distance, and I'm sitting there, and I'm still praying, and lo and behold, one of the moms randomly turns around and looks at me and says, you know, we don't bite. She said, why don't you come sit down with us? And so I thought, well, Lord, you gone did it, didn't you? (laughs) I guess I gotta put up or shut up. And so I went and I sat down and I told him who I was, told him about our church, told him Jesus is for you. So are we. We'd love to have you come as a guest to our church ran to my car and I got the flyers and I took them over there and I handed to them and I talked to them about Jesus. So fair warning. If you ask the Lord for an opening to share your faith, he'll give it to you. But you have to put yourself in a place where he can make it happen. It won't happen sitting around at your house and saying, Lord, bring somebody here that I can witness to. I mean, don't be surprised when the phone rings and suddenly you got to do it. But you at least got to put yourself in a place where it can happen and God will open that door. And so what if we rewrote that Rafi song, you know? What, What if we take that little silly sharing song and we write it in light of Acts, but this time let's make it a little more theologically accurate to what it is we're doing around here. We've got the lyrics up on the screen. I reworked them a little bit. Let's try to do this version together. It's God's, but you can have some. He gave to me to share it. I'd love to share it with you. So you'll be God's too. That's more accurate to what we're doing. The Lord gave it to us. He gave it to share. We're excited to share it with you so that you will come to be part of the community of believers too. And so that's my prayer for you this week that you would find somebody to share yourself with. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are excited about what you're doing in this community, what you're doing in our church, what you're doing on our staff, what you're doing in this world. There is no God like you None of this is possible because of us. It is to you that we owe everything. You are the giver of all good things. How amazing it is that the God of the universe would even invite us into his ministry. I pray, Lord, that it would take root in our heart, that we would feel burdened for our world, that we would leave this place seeking, looking for them, on a mission to find somebody to share ourselves with, to share you with. That is our heart's desire, Lord. We want to be a church that's all about Jesus. We love you, God. You're the most important thing in our life. There's not even a close second. Help us to be faithful stewards of the gospel that you have given to us. In your name that we pray, amen.